0: Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things, with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. This month's podcast speaks about motherhood, and so I asked my wife Sarah to host the conversation with Maria and Peter, two of our staff members at Ignatius House. Obviously, there are many ways to live out the role of mother, and of course we know there are those who are not or cannot be mothers, and those who may not have had healthy relationships with their own mothers. But I hope this conversation will be of benefit to anyone who listens, an opportunity to reflect on our innate human desires to care for and to be cared for, and how motherhood and Mary connects us to divine love.
1: Well, my name is Sarah Otto, and I'm on the pastoral team at Ignatius House, and I'm joined today by my colleagues, Maria Kressler, our executive director, and Father Peter Fink. And we are in the month of May, um, in which we celebrate Mother's Day and honor the women in our lives who have mothered us in a variety of ways. But in the church, we have a special devotion throughout the month of May to Mary, the mother of Jesus, who's also been given titles throughout history as mother of God and mother of our church. So, today let's just have a more general discussion on perhaps what joy and fruit can come from a devotion to Mary, and perhaps more specifically on the meaning Mary has brought to our own lived experience of motherhood. Father Peter, you have led a number of retreats on Mary at Ignatius House during your tenure here, which leads me to believe you must have a particular special affection for her. And your founder, St. Ignatius, certainly did. So, I'd love if you started just sharing a little bit about. The role that Mary played in Ignatius's own life and prayer and perhaps what role Mary has played in your own life as a Jesuit.
2: Well, I'd be happy to do that. You know, it really is. It's been a wonder to directing these retreats on Mary because of the fact that in many ways we have lost real contact with Mary, the, the woman, and had a number of these strange images that have replaced her and To begin to explore again who Mary is in our lives is the most important thing for me and why I've invested the time to do Marian Retreat. But today I just want to talk a little bit about Ignatius Loyola and where Mary fits in, first of all, in his own life and maybe some challenges or questions that he could give to us in terms of locating Mary in our own Christian journey, our own Christian spirituality. Now, it's true that the aim of the spiritual exercises is to unite someone in an intimate relationship with Jesus, and through Jesus, into a profound surrender in love to the God who created us and who continues to create us. That began in the first moments of his conversion When this military man was fascinated by Jesus in one of the books given to him, as he recovered from his wounds in Pamplona, he fell in love with Jesus, and he wanted to go to Jerusalem to be in the places where Jesus himself lived, worked, suffered, and died. But there's another element of that initial conversion which also needs to be noted. The other dream he had about returning to court and wooing that wonderful lady, be she real or just in Ignatius's own imagination, also clung to his heart. He didn't forget that dream or the woman, but focused his love now on the woman who gave Jesus' birth. He was, She was the one he would honor, the mother of this royal king, It was before Mary at the monastery of Montserrat that Ignatius prayed through the night and offered his sword in honor and service to this noble woman. So it's not surprising that in the spiritual exercises, once the acknowledgement of the creator goddess had claimed him, which is the first moment of the spiritual exercises, and once the person of Jesus had enlisted him with the triple quest, What have I done for Jesus? What am I doing for Jesus? What ought I do for Jesus? Ignatius brings us first in contemplation to the stories of the infant Jesus with their intense focus on Mary, his mother. Just remember the stories. Annunciation, the angel approaches Mary with the announcement that she would bear God's only son. As Ignatian puts it, after seeing the actions of the divine persons, namely the work of incarnation, look at the angel and the lady and how Our Lady humbles herself in agreeing to serve this venture of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then as the colloquy prayer invites, what ought I say to the three divine persons or to the eternal word incarnate or to Mary? his mother. The contemplations on Jesus' infancy then are all spelled out, and I don't have to name them all, but quickly. The Nativity, a lady about nine months with child, sets out for Nazareth. The visit to Elizabeth, where John meets Jesus just as Elizabeth greets Mary. The presentation in the temple, where Simeon's prayer and warning and the flight to Egypt to save the child from Herod's wrath as the innocents are slaughtered, and the finding of Jesus later in the temple on the day of his bar mitzvah. Now, none of these contemplations are treated lightly, but require both repetitions and intense applications of the senses. You know, what do you say? What what do you hear? What smells do you have? All designed to deepen our relationship with all the main characters, to learn to love Jesus as he begins his human journey, to learn to love Joseph, who grows as a faithful guardian, and to learn to love Mary, who sets off with her son on this journey, which leads to salvation for us all. Now, Mary seldom appears in most of his public ministry, but there's one exception, her role at the wedding feast in Cana. You know, there are many, uh, many ways of understanding Jesus' words to Mary, it is not my time. But a wonderful reading of that event is that Jesus came to realize right then and now that it was his time. But however you imagine it, the intense love and faith that Mary had in her son is clearly in evidence. And Ignatius wants us to savor that intense love and apply, apply it to us as well. And then at the end of his journey, we find Mary again at his, as his constant companion. Though she should, though she could do very little except be present. And in keeping with this, Ignatius captures a non biblical moment where Jesus, now risen, first appears to his mother. And the reason? To share with her the joy of his being alive. So the spiritual journey of Ignatius, which is captured in the spiritual exercises, remains focused on Jesus and hopes to lead us to the lead those who follow these exercises to a deep and lasting companionship with Jesus. But Jesus is not and can never be separated from the one who brought him into the world. The triple colloquy which Ignatius uses in so many of the exercises always starts with a prayer to Mary, who then accompanies you to Jesus, who then together accompany you to the God Jesus called Father. But if we look at this in reverse, God, who is father, sends Jesus, his son, born of Mary, who assures the fundamental humanity of her son, so that he who is human, the firstborn of all creation, is able to bring all humanity back to God in love. So what, what have I gotten from it? Well, I have tried to reimagine the woman, Mary, a brave, courageous, loving, caring person. I've tried to see what it is like to be in relationship to her by imagining her relationship to her son. Now we say that when Jesus prays to his father He invites us into that relationship. But when Mary looks at her son, she invites us into her relationship with her son. And isn't that what uh, John's Gospel says? Behold your mother, behold your son. And as Jesus says, stand with me before my father, Mary says, stand with me, with my son. Mary, as the first redeemed, can learn from her what it is to be human what it is to be redeemed, what it is to be a servant of our loving God. So I'll leave it at that and see how Sarah and Maria would like to join in. I am fortunately able to talk about Ignatius, but I can't talk about motherhood, so I'll have to put it back to them.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Peter. Yeah, I'm struck by the reminder that Mary brings us to the fundamental humanity of Jesus and I'll be curious about Maria since she has gone through, um, you know, as you know, a four-year-old and almost two-year-old. And we have a statue right by our stove of a, a statue of Mary sweeping and a little toddler Jesus with arms raised up at her side. And it is, I mean, it reminds me of when Eva was two and I'd be trying to cook and she'd come over and say, hold you, hold you. Or Oscar now he comes over and puts his arms up and just says up up, up. And so I'm having to try to cook with one hand and hold them. But I I more so look at that statue when I'm in the kitchen, and I can't pick them up, and they throw a tantrum on the floor. And I just think, if Jesus was truly human. He had to go through all of the developmental stages that toddlers go through, which include meltdowns and pushing boundaries and testing and yelling no. And so I always just make eye contact with Mary then and know that she dealt with that with Jesus. And there's this sense of comfort and consolation and frustration and that that's not an unholy thing. That's an emotional response and experience of being human. And so I, I see Mary, Mary's humanity, but even more so Jesus's humanity through Mary. But Maria, I'm curious how Mary has played out for you.
3: Really, really beautiful to, to think back to that toddler, toddler age. <laughs> I was sharing with Peter a little earlier, the many different feelings I've had whenever I think of Mary, mother of God, and how that has evolved over my lifetime. So as a as a, the oldest of five, an Italian Catholic home with a, with a grandmother who had a devotion to Mary, to, to novenas and rosaries and a constant. So Mary was was around and she was always this, this very, in my mind as a child, an obedient, good woman, a young girl who did everything right. So that this model of being the woman in some ways was something I grew up with, ironically. So, and I say ironically, it was a wonderful thing to grow up with. But, but the, the real turning point for me was when I was able to see to see her humanity, because in some ways, growing up, she too became more divine and more godlike and, and was not human. And I was really looking for the human touch, because Jesus as human is who I could most often relate to. And even today, think of the human Jesus who taught us about what it means to love and what it looks like to love and what it means to sacrifice. But... As a woman and starting with motherhood, there is in many ways the first of sacrifice. Your body becomes a sacrifice. The, the the relation of of Jesus coming into her body, right? And then her her having to carry that life within her chain. So when I was pregnant with my first which happens to be a son, when I went into and for all the women out there who who have done lamas or had to come up with a mantra or a focal point when you're going through it became Mary and 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 this fixation on the on the on the prayer that I grew up as a child. Hail Mary, full of grace, what's with you. Like suddenly I was caught in this, you know, original motherhood, if you will. And it was later that I read some of Elizabeth Johnson who helped open her the realness, I say realness, this this woman Who was, yes, the mother of God, but was a human mother of God. (laughs) And so I, and I, and it's funny how we go to those few stories as Peter was recounting those different stories that we have. We don't have a lot, right? But we have that motherhood right up until the point where he's like literally. Yeah, at the wedding of Cana. Now you're on your own. I feel like you, there's these stages from the nativity to the to the to the to the child that gets lost <laughs> that she's searching for. And God, do I have stories about that? <laughs> kids, kids, even as teenagers of, of of kids, and then that moment when they're off, and you have to let them de- become who they are meant to be and become. You know, so there's that there's that reality of the, of the watching of the whole. But what I want to say that that's kind of evolved with me about Mary that that I've now, you know, I'd like to claim as my own is that she had to have had, I feel, a a very intense relationship with God that prior to, before that angel came to her, she was a woman of faith. She had a a relationship, an internal relationship with God, such that she could say yes. And, and, And her only question was a question of, a clarifying question like yes and how did that happen mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like like that's her question but deeply was like i i yes i am and i will be for you i'm just curious right how right and outside of that she takes it and she moves with that with that and i i've gone back to that a lot like i need to have that kind of really i want that kind of relationship with my, with my God, my creator, so that I can be mothering and loving and trusting when, when my son took off down a beach at age 16 with a headset on and a, D, a CD. And he evidently in his long walk down the beach laid down and fell asleep. And so at night when he never comes home and he's 15 years old and we're all freaking out at the beach and I'm having one of my like, you know, oh my God, my son is gone. <laughs> like, where is my, you know, my faith then, right? You know, it's really, it's funny when I think back on it but I some of the emotion about how we feel about our kids and that tightness, but it's a reminder of me, like wanting to have that trust and that belief that it will be okay. I mean, she got and walked up to see Elizabeth, right? Nine months pregnant, or six months pregnant, whatever, at a time when she could be shunned, and in a in a world where she could have been stoned to death, right? So, yeah, lots of lots of emotions come up when I talk about Mary and and, <laughs> and life. But, you know, I'm sure I I was telling him also, I read a really interesting article in the Smithsonian about the making of a mother and talks about what science is learning about the DNA that that we have. They leave behind in our bodies, Sarah, that literally there's there each child we birth has there's something of them physically in us, which is kind of a new thing they didn't really know. And just makes me think about Mary that way, too. And now I look back like, yes, she always had him. A part of her
1: mm-hmm. well that on. as you said that ex- first experience of motherhood is sacrifice and really sacrificing your body and i i made the 19th annotation when eva was just that i started when she was six months old and so i was still nursing and she was still very much connected to my body and I can remember as I was praying with the last supper scene, just being moved in such a new way with those words, you know, this is my body given for you and really associating at that time with nursing and, and feeding, literally feeding my child. And yeah. And then thinking of Mary really as, as giving her body, the first priest in that sense. And so it makes me curious, Peter, in sacramental theology, is Mary ever brought up in Eucharistic theology?
2: Well, the, the- where Mary, that doesn't come up explicitly in Eucharistic theology, since the the language that Vatican II tried to do was to which to reinstate the fullness of Christ's presence, and not just simply a focus on the bread and wine. And even that is is still in, in not in everybody's mindset. So I'll leave it at that. But I think that the where it comes into play is. The realization once you get deeper into any of the sacramental situations is that you're dealing with a woman and a man who are so intimately related to each other that you know the Redeemer and the Redeemed are not, not trivial categories. That what what does it mean to be the Redeemer? It really means to do everything to turn this whole world back in love. God, that's that's what it means, and to say that Mary is re, is perfectly redeemed is to say that she, before anything else, is already on that path back to God, and therefore she can be a model to us, just as Jesus is a model to us. You know, Jesus is God becoming human. Discover His humanity, you will be on the path of having God in unfolded in your own life, Mary is perfectly redeemed in relationship to her, discover how we can open ourselves to the redeeming action of God who touches all of us through her. So, I mean, it it, it hasn't become overly explicit at this point because we're still dealing with change of rituals, change of understanding and all that sort of thing. But if you really penetrate deeply, the realization that whenever you talk about Jesus, you have to include his mother. Whenever you talk about his mother, you have to include Jesus. Just look at all of the prayers of the the Marian feasts. They're not not prayers that simply say, hooray for Mary, and that's it. It's always Mary in relationship to Jesus. And on many of them, when there's a like the Annunciation, those it's the relationship of Jesus to Mary that is on the table. So I mean, it's it's that that's probably the best I could make it to say about it right now. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense, Sarah? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I just I love the the blending of identities that you can't. Yeah, you can't speak with one about one without the other, and it reminds me of this young woman that I sponsored in RCIA years ago who had, had grown up atheist and just had been given a very you know negative image of Christianity and Jesus. And there's so much that is said and written and spoken about Jesus that she really loved how little was said about Mary and that there was an opening and an invitation to meet Jesus in a new way through what wasn't said about Mary. And she just, she sat in front of a statue of Mary forever hours and really got to know Jesus through her and a new Jesus, but saw them as intertwined. And just, yeah, there was a fresh invitation of imagination. And she she wasn't at all knowledgeable of Ignatian spirituality, but Mary really led her to that kind of Ignatian prayer and invitation and that, yeah, you can't separate them. When we do, it's unhealthy. You know, we, we get an unhealthy Jesus, but when we can connect i fascinated
2: them. about Ignatius before Mary in, in Montserrat, that, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what did he do for the whole night? And the effect, the amount of affection that must have been tapped in his own life in relationship to this woman. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you I mean you know when people go and spend a half hour in chapel, they do start so to kind of evoke a kind of personal relationship to Jesus and His presence in the tabernacle. But just to sit with uh, all a whole evening in front of this statue, the amount of affection that, might, that would have touched his heart, it, it's hard to imagine what it would be like. I mean, it, it, you, you, you know, he certainly wasn't thinking about what's, you know, what, what's happening down in Barcelona, you know. Was, you know, he's really he's really tied up with that. You know, I, I was also thinking, I don't know why I should curse me, but it's, it's a different piece also. But as when my mother was dying, my mother had a very strong relationship to Mary. So, so much... So much stronger, we, my sister and I never said much about it simply because it was so obvious, you know. But when, when she was dying, she just looked at one point, she said, well, I guess this is the end of me. And somebody else said something which meant nothing. And I just looked at her, I said, have you talked to Mary yet? <laughs> With a big smile, she said, I just did.
1: <laughs> and
2: I said, don't be afraid. She said, I'm not afraid. <laughs> now go home, you have a busy day tomorrow. I mean, when you put that all together, you want to know how a devotion to Mary can enhance your relationship to God in so many different ways. You know, look at situations like that when people, they pray a rosary and then something wonderful happens. They they do different things. There's something about turning to Mary, which is a very wonderful moment in one's spiritual journey and should never be left out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like Maria, I had a similar upbringing to you where the rosary and Mary was such a part of my childhood. And, and I, my grandmother lived with us when I was little, and she had lost three sons. She had five boys and lost three of them to different causes, or not causes, but circumstances. And so she had a profound devotion to Mary as another mother who lost a child. And I I almost feel like it was harder. The exercises were important to me to get to know Jesus. I already knew Mary. I had a deep connection and friendship with her because of both my grandmother and my mother. But there is something so consoling about that maternal guidance. and. And I have to believe Ignatius, since he lost his mother as a a young child, that that his devotion to Mary must have come out of the loss of his own mother. And just, yeah, we need that that maternal guidance and connection, both in our spiritual life, but in our just day-to-day life. And so when when that can be blended in, in this image that
3: was a trust it's funny you say that because my grandmother too lost her first son my dad was her second son and she had five miscarriages in between but her Mm -hmm. firstborn son was died at age 21 and who and had a two-month-old granddaughter who my grand so by the time i'm around and old enough to even talk to my grandmother whenever she would talk about this other grandchild she would start to weep because when her son died and his wife remarried and moved on. She lost, she was, she was cut out from the life of even his offspring. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, but, but but she had a faith. And 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 Peter, when you were saying that about her connect the connection to the rosary, she had a relationship with Mary that gave her a faith that set, allowed her to go on to believe. <laughs> that all would be well. Like that was part of what I got. Now, she, she clung onto those beads and we became, that she was known, and I often tell the funny story because she also, had, when she would get sick, she would always make these like, okay, I'll say the rosary <laughs> and, you know, keep me alive, you know, and I'll say a rosary for the rest of my life kind of thing. So when she would fall asleep saying a rosary, we'd be like, wake up, say your rosary. <laughs> all like, oh, right. There was some of that superstition in there, <clears throat> certainly. But what I remember, what I gleaned from it was, was a joyful woman. My grandmother was joyful despite this, really hard life of loss of 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 full grown son and, and unborn children and and i and for me that that you know that faith that's kind of where i was going at the beginning with mary is like there was something that she had too she had to have had right okay. and, and i and i think when i got into ignatius spirituality when i sit there in that imagination i love that that that's part of what intrigues me about ignatius just his Time and spending in there, just sitting in that time, and what happens to one when one gives oneself over to to this new love in some way, right? But I, I loved his coming, his his calling us to reflect on Jesus appearing to her first. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody that I' that I've directed the, the, the exercises with just it was the biggest delight in that fourth week. Its just so exciting because it's like they've never heard about it before and what that experience, you know of that intimacy, of that connectedness, you can't know one without the other and would absolutely have had to have been mm-hmm. with her, right? and and one of my my directees just so beautifully you know she said, he appears and he's sitting next to her and 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 they embrace and they both just sob in hmm. each other's arms. Like just this time of complete sobbing and holding on and knowing that it's like the, the knowing, the final knowing <laughs> of, of it all, right? Her pondering all those years and wondering, you know, she had to have wondered throughout the entire thing what was happening. She, that's the human side of Mary. And that would be where... where I think I often reach to when, when anything is happening, right? And for all the mothers that, that, that have to, to watch around the world with their children in pain or suffering or separation from and that kind of thing. So I had
2: a playful a playful image when it comes to the visitation to Mary. Well, one's pre- one is playful and the other is, uh, is profound. The playful one, I had a hard time keeping her from being a good mother who wants to feed her kid. they can wait you gotta eat that kind of thing the more serious one was though having gone through the whole engagement through meeting him on the cross standing as he dies burying him waiting and all that when he appears he simply said thank you for being there Hmm. and I think that to me is the most beautiful way of naming naming you know, the church calls that, we have a, a long tradition of not just with Mary, but a lot with Mary, which goes goes deeper than the Bible itself. And it comes to uh, the, the, the way the, the, the church uses it, it is fitting. And the way I use it is, of course, why, why, of course, I mean, how, how could you not, you know? And I think that there is something about the it is fitting, of course, that gives us great, great insight into Mary, that just what's in the Bible itself is only a hint, you know?
1: Yeah, and that meditation always, even though it's the resurrected Christ, this is Jesus in his fullest form. It still brings me back to the human side of Jesus because you think, Yeah. When you, no matter how old you are, if you know, whether you're a toddler and you fall and scrape your knee, or if you're a a grown man and you get a promotion, you know, that if you call your mom, she's going to be proud of you. She's going to care for you. She's going to be as joyful, if not more than you are. And so the sense that Jesus wanted to share his joy and knew that the first person who would be most excited about it was his mom. And I just love that. I love that, that she shares in his joy even more so.
3: I think it's, I like, well, I love that because I think it's even true when your son grows up and gets married. (laughs) So as I, as I will, I've always appreciated my daughter-in-law because she's had this insight early on. And and that is when she was frustrated with her, my son, her husband in any way, or, and she wanted to talk to somebody, she would talk to me and she would say to me, I know I can talk to you because you're going to love him no matter what, that to talk to her mother-in-law or to her friend or somebody else, when she was frustrated with, with, with my son for whatever marital reasons, there might be whatever that we, they would then form judgment, right? In defense of her. So when she would when she first came to me one time she goes I really want to talk to you about something, and that's been bothering me and blah 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 and I was like, I was so stunned by the I can't believe she's coming to me. <laughs> on one hand, and on the other, I thought what a what an understanding of the bond that she had an understanding of this relationship because you're right no no matter what no matter what happens there's the 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 mother in us is going to love the whole of them and. And, and whatever they do or don't do, like there's a sense of, of I don't know it was a re- it was a wonderful in an odd way, which is a kind of funny story made me recognize something different about my relationship with my son and what she saw in that really what she understood as a as a as a mother son experience. and so it it shaped something for me It kind of opens it up and so you can just imagine and know that Mary had to know him. In such a way, and of course, in his perfection, nobody be coming to complain about him. Although I imagine somebody might—he <laughs> was human, right? But to understand them in that way, and and that's where this whole idea that there's this connection, this parent-child, but mother, particularly motherhood, in the very fact that these these bodies are within our bodies. I mean, just the whole idea of it—the whole miracle of life—in that regard, hmm. just that God chose to do that to to incarnate in in the in the the, and allow it to happen the way it happened
1: well we we are coming up on time perhaps as a close is there one image or title we've been given a plethora of titles is there an image or a title or a scripture verse that really is your your favorite in regards to mary we know Pope Francis loves Mary and tire of knots. And it could be an image in your own imagination that's come. I, my image is not at all scriptural, but when we were sleep training, our youngest, Oscar, there were a couple nights of long, long nights of cries. And in just my pain and desire to go in there and cuddle him up, but refraining from that, I imagined Mary crawling into his crib and huddling up in the child's pose right next to him and just rubbing his back. Um, and it was so comforting to me in those long nights, but it's still an image that I go to when I'm feeling nervous or lonely of just Mary in the child's pose cuddled up next to me and just, yeah, always the mother.
3: I think, and, I, and it sounds funny, maybe it doesn't sound funny. I, my birthday is on September 15th and it's our, our Lady of Sorrows. And while I don't like to think of it, you know, I don't, I, I'm not typically a person that looks to the to the sadness or the pain, but at the same time, that link that I, I, to this day, as a mother, I hurt from my grown children when things are happening. I, 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 my, I carry their sorrows with me. So not in a, in a heavy way, but, but, but you know, when they're, when they say, <laughs> a mother is only as happy <laughs> as as what do they say as, as the least happiest child or <laughs> that she has, like, like literally, and that just multiplies now with grandchildren. So now you know I have my own three, then I had their spouses. And so as my motherhood grows, I, I carry the joy, but I also carry their sorrows too. And I and that and that ache that still so maybe our Lady of Sorrows, but but in a way that how she carries that too, that 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 old mother's heart. Carries and maybe the the hurt the, the of the world, if you will, too. Mm-hmm. Just at that connection, that 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 empathy. So, I guess that would be mine. Mm-hmm. I guess you, if you? I had
2: one, I guess if I had one, it would. I, I could think of any number of ones that do it. But I was thinking of, and we talk about being companions of Jesus, which is what the Society of Jesus is about, to be compañeros de Jesús. Well, I also can think of Mary as a mm-hmm. companion. As someone who walks with me, who guides me and helps me. And uh, since I see the two of them as related, I see that I'm entering into their relationship and finding my life unfold very much with both of them, kind of supporting, guiding, helping, comforting, doing all the things that each in their own lives they managed to do here on earth that they continue to do in my life, something like that.
1: Hmm. Well, thank you. Thanks for this delightful conversation and perhaps an invitation for those who will listen to this is to call the important women in your life who have mothered you to go to prayer with Mary. And as Jesus said to Mary and Peter's, at least Peter's imagination in that meditation, let the women in your life know, thanks for being there and the gratitude that you feel. So Amen. It's been a delight. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.